Hello, everyone. Today's podcast will be a little bit more informal. I am talking to Clemencia Villafuerte, whom you all know, is the producer of our show. And we're going to get to know her a little bit and know what she's been doing professionally and uh, her education. And maybe there will be some information in here that will help some of you. And I just felt like it was time that everyone got to know Clemencia. <laughs> so, Clemencia, tell us about yourself. All right. <laughs> well, I'm the producer of this podcast and I met Dr. Tucker through college. She was the head of my department. And it was just a really fun way to meet, I guess, because she had these ideas and I'm kind of the type of like I feel like there's different types of creators. There's the types that have like all these really cool ideas, but aren't sure how to make them come to life. And then there's the people that know more of the technical knowledge. And I'm kind of more in the second group. I like making things happen. I don't like being stuck in the theoretical. I like, okay, we have an idea. This is how we're going to make it happen. And so I met her and she had all these ideas and it was fun to try all kinds of different things and make them come about. And this podcast was one of them and it's been fun so far. So <laughs> yes, I of course, when we started, I didn't have a clue what I was doing. And really without you, I don't know that this thing would even exist. And I'm not saying that to be nice. I mean it from <laughs> the bottom of my heart because, uh, yeah, I can push a button and that's about it. <laughs> so Clemencia was able to, when we were first starting, to set up the microphones and help with the sound. And then, then of course, to do the editing. And you use audition. Audition, yeah. Audition to do that. And we fortunately had a, a lab where she could uh, start, but she does that at home now. And I have to say that at one point I tried to do audition and she was so patient with me. And I just realized it was going to take me way too long. Five times as long as it took her to do this. <laughs> so, yeah. So we worked out something else with that. <laughs> and um, it is because it, she was talking about the creativity and the people have the skills. And I think she has both because a lot of people think they have the creativity, but if they don't have the skills to get it to work, <laughs> the creativity it's nice, but it, it it's the the hours you spend learning your craft that make the difference. And so, have you always lived in this area? No, my family's from Mexico. So I, I was actually born in Mexico. We came here when I was a little child, and then I grew up in Dalton. Okay, and I feel like they liked Dalton because it's very similar to our hometown back in Mexico, the valley kind of mountainous and then very green again but yeah it's a nice little community i like it. it has a little bit of everything it's very fortunate in that the creative the arts are kind of encouraged here i feel yes, like they are it is yeah and you went to northwest whitfield high school yes i did okay and what did you study there oh man <laughs> so uh, when i went into high school i didn't really know what I wanted to study. I I actually went to Dalton Middle and then I transferred just in time for high school. So I was kind of that like weird. I don't have any friends and I'm quiet. So it's going to be a weird environment. So I didn't have any preferences. I told them they could put me wherever and they threw me in drama. 
And that was a weird match. Because <laughs> even though I am quiet, I liked Shakespeare. I liked the more Shakespeare kind of like traditional theater kind of things. And I liked the behind the scenes things a lot. I liked helping backstage. So I did fit into drama club, but I'm not like the theater kid. Most people probably think of, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. The one, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I, I wouldn't, yeah, <laughs> I would compete for theater or like literary meet if it came to writing. So I do like to write okay. and I would do Shakespeare monologues, which awesome. a lot of people don't like, <laughs> but I did. <laughs> which one did you do? I did viola at one point, And then another time I did Rosalind. Okay. Yeah, it was fun. I really liked it. I really like Shakespeare. That but, is yeah, the, That's something I didn't <laughs> know about you. Yeah. Well, I am shy, I guess. And I don't know what to say when it comes to myself. Like right now, I'm trying to think of things that are interesting. But when it's a script, I can kind of just lean into the character. I don't have to think for myself, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I did. I really And Shakespeare characters are so like well thought out. So detailed so it was really fun yeah he kind of knew what he was doing i think <laughs> be nice a little bit for any of us to 400 years later to me <laughs> reading it and performing it yeah 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 there's that um so you also got into um was it production did they have audio production there yes they did they had it with mr maynard and mm-hmm. Dwayne maynard who was a great teacher and initially i took it because it just seemed fun. <laughs> that kind of that kind of is the theme with me. Where if something is fun, I'll try it. I'd not put much thought into it, but then as I did different things, I realized okay, this is something I'm actually good at. And yeah, I I just kind of stuck to that. Mm-hmm. And then I met Mr. Reese, Mr. Ryan Reese, who was also in this podcast. So I feel like because of the two of them, I ended up sticking to film. It really was, yeah, it was just a chance meeting because I, I finishing high school. I was always a top student, but I didn't see myself going to college. Yeah. So I was like, well, I don't really know. And I knew that I was good at film production, but I was like always on the, I, I saw it as something that you don't need a degree for. I was like, I could just go out there and start working now. But they kind of convinced me like, well, it's better to just go ahead and get a bachelor's at least. And, and Dalton State, of course, has the Georgia Film Academy. So they did convince me like, it's better to get a formal education. We're jumping straight in. And I... I'm glad that I did because having learned more post-production, I think it opened up a whole um, world of opportunities versus if I just stuck to being on set. (laughs) It really suits me more, I think, post-production. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I wanted to have you talk some about the Film Academy because it's kind of the best kept secret that um, this exists in the state and what it is and that Dalton State has a a program with it. I meet a lot of people like, oh, y'all are into that. It's like, yes, <laughs> you know, you can, you can go there from Dalton State and it's very good if you want to learn and work in the industry. Okay. So when did you start going to the Film Academy? Do you remember the year? I think 2019. Okay. The pandemic had just started. Yeah. I know that because it was through Zoom, my first class. Oh, no. Okay. Yeah, yeah. My, <laughs> I, I did have the onset class. Uh-huh. So I had like the class where they teach you a little bit about every department and then the pandemic started. So my first editing class was through Zoom. <laughs> okay. So that was interesting. Yes, that is interesting. 
<laughs> yes, that was really disruptive. <laughs> the film academy, because about that time, they were really getting underway. And it was just, yeah, you know. So, yeah. so you took the, the production course or the intro to production course. But then you you took a post-production course. You took AVID. Yes. Yes. So the the way they have it structured is that you can choose specifically what path you want to go down. Uh-huh. So the first class is kind of just an introduction. They don't they, they teach you a little bit about every other department. And then after that, you take specialty courses. And that's when you decide, OK, I would like to be on set where where I chose. I wanted to be post-production, which is more editing and after everything has been filmed, you put it together and make it look good and sound good. The only thing is now, a couple of years ago, they changed it so that you have to decide. From the very beginning. beginning. Yeah. And um, I I spoke with a student the other day. She wanted to do both. And I said, well, you can't. <laughs> well, you can, but you just have to do it. You have to do it one after the other instead of right. you can't do yeah. it at the same time. So. And Dalton State would only cover for your first three classes yeah so. <laughs> that's what yeah. that's the other thing i have to tell people it's yeah, this financial aid issue you may have to pay for it yourself yeah but i can relate to that because mm-hmm. film is just that medium i think the reason i gravitated towards it so much is that it's a mixture of all kinds of different art forms right so i i understand like you you don't want to be kind of trapped in one specific department that's i think that's something a lot of film kids can relate to they're like i like to draw and I like to write and I like to get hands on and I like to sometimes act. And so everyone wants to do a little bit of everything else. And yeah, <laughs> film is one of those mediums where you can really get immersed in your project. I think that's the difference with those who want to go into like make, making their own independent films. They wouldn't get to do everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Like I spoke with uh, Sarah Wood last week and she's an independent filmmaker. And well, and she's an editor. She gets to do a lot of things, but if you were go, going to go work for one of the big companies down in Atlanta, you pretty much do what you're in a certain field. Yeah. 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 You have to be specialized. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So you took the first course and then you took the AVID course. And then what did you take? And then I took sound production. Sound production. Okay. Mm-hmm. Which is and, also avid. Yeah. And that's what you've been doing with the, with podcasts and. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you're all, are, are you using avid at the, um, at your job now? No. So I'm sure you like Aaron, you know how he can play a bunch of different instruments. Yes. Depending on what he needs to play. I'm kind of that way with softwares. Uh-huh. So uh, back in high school, I learned all about Adobe with Maynard. He taught me how to use Premiere and I got a more hands-on. And then I work with photographers in the area as well. And they like to use Final Cut just because it's faster. And then, of course, I took the certification classes back in Atlanta to get used to Avid. So I can kind of bounce around from program to program. And that's kind of something that I've been really blessed to be able to figure it out. I like to think of it as like driving a car where there's different mark makes and models. Yeah. But you you can understand the general concept. Uh-huh. So. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't used Avid lately. I've been using Audition because that's how we started the podcast. But if I had to, I could switch over to like Logic, which is the Apple version. But yeah. <laughs> do you, uh, you're working at a TV station now. What do you use? I am. 
We use Final Cut because it's faster. Uh, okay. Got a time crunch. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. So going to the, the Film Academy, what would you say to a young person about that who's interested in film? I would say take advantage of it because the teachers are people that have been in the industry. So they have a lot of connections. Yeah. So it, it really kind of comes down to your work ethic and character. If they see that you are putting in the time and effort to be good at what you're learning, they'll recommend you. I always get it. Like I used to get emails from the teachers and be like, hey, there's this opportunity. Oh. They're looking for such and such. And they would send me the contact info, which is, of course, super beneficial because yeah. networking is everything in, in post-production. So, right. Yeah. <laughs> if you just show up to class and take it then they're not going to be as confident recommending you, of course. But yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's a good networking opportunity. And and of course, it's also just great to be able to have hands-on experience because you can learn all the technical things theoretically. But once you actually get to use the equipment, that's when you're like, okay, I feel more confident in my abilities. Mm-hmm. Listeners, I love doing this podcast. I hope deeply that you also enjoy listening. As we bring this content free of charge, I have some requests that will help it continue. We have exceeded 2,000 listens for the 24 yes and 30 episodes. That doesn't include the YouTube listens. And none of it would have happened without Clemencia Villafuerte, our producer. I have to say that I depend on her a great deal. In some ways, that number's great because I don't do much advertising or promotion. I depend on listeners to repost on social media and for the guests to post the links on their websites. On the other hand, it's really pretty low as the podcast world goes. Really, really low. So I can't monetize it, at least not yet. That's good and bad. You all don't have to listen to random commercials about the who knows what. Yay! And I don't have any financial help. Boo. So here are the asks as the trendy people say now. I'm not sure what was wrong with the word requests, but number one, keep telling folks about this podcast. Even if it's just one that you particularly cared for, tell them about that one and they might get interested in the others. Of course, keep listening. Third, and here's the commercial part buy my books to offset the costs of the podcast. I don't talk about them much because I'm really terrible at marketing. I have several novels available on Amazon. You can look them up under Barbara G. Tucker or Barbara Graham Tucker, as in Graham Cracker, rolling my eyes, or you can ask me for signed copies. The most recent, Sudden Future, by Colorful Crow Publishing would make a great Christmas gift for a reader of any age. I will have another coming out before Christmas, Long Lost Justice. Others are Bringing Abundance Back, which I call the Southern Chicklet Book, Long Lost Family, a not-so-cozy mystery, Long Lost Promise, even less cozy, I'm haven't figured out how murders can be cozy and the unexpected Christmas visitors a story about refugees all are on Kindle too also I have short Bible studies I'm not at the GoFundMe point yet finally buy the books of the folks I've interviewed here or will 
Luke Manjay of Ginseng Diggers, Becky Woolley, Ray Atkins, Kami Ballantyne, Devereaux Shivington Stebbins, Susan Kirkland, Renee Winchester, Carly Land, David Cady, Millicent Flake, Noah Knox Marshall, and Amber Nagel. You are a person interested in the artistic community of Chattanooga, Northwest Georgia, and beyond. Help them out. Thank you for listening to this commercial. Well, and, and I should say to people that Clemencia is an excellent student. <laughs> we won't get into the particulars, but let's just say she's a student. And she gave, um, as her senior project, a very interesting presentation based on her research. You want to talk about that? Okay. <laughs> it, it kind of formed initially when I learned about the gender-like communication theory which is from Deborah Tannen. And that's the idea that like society kind of trains men and women to communicate slightly differently based on their roles. So women or feminine style is more feminine because of course it's a spectrum. No one falls exactly like on one end or the other, Mm -hmm. but the feminine style revolves more around maintaining harmony. So you're less directing, less confrontational. You just want to maintain your relationships. Whereas the male style is kind of more to the point goal oriented sometimes harsh if you're not used to it i like that idea and but the theory is a little old and it's relates to interpersonal which is person to person so i was curious if that kind of applied to mass media as well and so i wanted to study if there was a difference in the genders and what films and media they like to consume and according to statistics yeah there is but I wanted to know why. So that's why I went more with a qualitative approach where I would interview people, get to know them and just kind of figure out why do men and women gravitate towards the content that they do. And I chose to focus on action movies because that's one of the top grossing film genres, but also it just is mostly male consumers. And I was like, well, why, why is that the case? Because obviously nowadays, I'm sure a lot of people have noticed that there's a push for more feminine representation in typically male-dominated genres like action. And you see that with like Wonder Woman and Captain Marvel and She-Hulk. But a lot of times that's kind of a double-edged sword. So those movies sometimes flop. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, the mixed reactions kind of seemed interesting to me. So I just, I focused on Wakanda Forever because at the time it was the latest release for Marvel. And... I interviewed four men and four women, and I just kind of gauged their reactions to the movies, what they appreciated, what they didn't. Their, like, opinions on female lead characters and just different elements in action. And it was pretty interesting because sometimes you think, well, this is common sense, but you have to remember you get movies that flop, (laughs) right? So even though it seems like common sense, writers sometimes forget it because they get so caught up in, I don't want to say setting an agenda. But that kind of is what it ends up feeling like. Yeah. So, yeah, they, they, the men and women both kind of agreed like, yeah, we just want believable, dynamic characters that you can relate to and that fit within the story. They don't like feeling like, oh, here's in your face an agenda. (laughs) They can see through it. Yeah. I know a few years ago there was a movie with um, Charlize Theron and she was playing this really 
kick butt violent character and they were trying to say to women you know they trying to sell this to women and it really didn't go over very well right <laughs> you know and it may have been though because of her image reputation already i mean she's a beautiful woman and maybe they just weren't buying her sometimes that happens as well it's um and I, I believe in your in your study, you show them clips, right? Of them. Yes, of I had the participants watch what kind of forever, and and then I interviewed them after watching it. Okay, it had to be within the month so that they wouldn't forget. Then, yeah, I think there's a lot that goes into why we like certain movies and why we don't like certain movies too. Though I don't think it's it's a it's not really a gender thing, right? right. <laughs> One factor thing, right? Because there's movies I like that are guy movies and uh, most female movies I'm like eh whatever <laughs> <laughs> interesting yeah it's, but see it's kind of interesting that in your mind there is male and yeah. female movies right so yeah. it, like it's kind of like we have these ideas in our minds of what a genre should be mm-hmm. and we have these expectations and so when those expectations are flipped depending on how it's done we can either really like it or just be completely against it yeah. and so I guess my uh, thing would be this summer, there were two big movies and I went to see Oppenheimer. I haven't seen Barbie yet. And I, you know, I grew up when Barbie dolls started coming into the country. And so that's been my yeah. whole life. It's like, eh, you know, I think, oh, those people, no, I don't, I don't have time for that. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I just, you know, I got to take care of the dogs. <laughs> it's not- would you like Oppenheimer? Yeah. I loved Oppenheimer. It was good. Yeah. It was, it was, um, a little hard to follow sometimes, mm-hmm. but that's the way Nolan does. Yes. Movies, you know, they're, yeah. they're not linear at all. Mm-hmm. This was really not linear. You really, <laughs> you had to really figure out what uh, decade you were in. <laughs> Did you see it? Yeah. yeah. I watched them, you know, the combination <laughs> just to see the two. Yeah. Yeah. Did you, uh, did you like Oppenheimer? I did. I don't know. It, I think I, having watched it right after Barbie, though. <laughs> <laughs> that would be, that would be a bit much. Yeah. 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 I think one example is um, the movie Dune. Of course, I oh, read yeah. the book written not too long, about a year before that, because I'd always heard it was great and you're supposed to read it. And I was trying to read more science fiction for my own uh, understanding. And I just thought it was brilliant. I just, oh, I thought that. Dune was, but it's, a, you know, it's kind of a guy thing. I don't, you know, more of a guy mm-hmm. story, but it was, it has strong female characters in it though. I just, I thought it was great. I'll go see it in the second part when it comes out. If, if it, it hasn't come out yet. So yeah, I thought your presentation was so beautifully done too. And um, we we're very proud of you. So thank you. What do you see as, what did you see? What do you see as your long-term you know, next steps, maybe in a few years. I, I feel like I'm still early on in my career. So even though I know I like post-production right now, that's still pretty broad that like I, I could go into editing or audio. And right now I'm kind of dual wielding <laughs> the two. Uh-huh. And, but I, I think long-term for a lot of film kids, their goal is to make their own movie. Right. So that's I would like I to do that. Yeah, <laughs> eventually. So I do write scripts here and there, but I'm not really confident enough to like submit them yet. <laughs> but yeah, I'm kind of seeing this as like, I want to get my bearings and have a good career. 
and network. And then maybe someday I'll be able to make my own movie, which would be cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, you want to give yourself time. You don't want to run into it and and not really produce what you want to produce, I think. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Have you thought about writing something along your experience as a young person coming to this country from Mexico? No. <laughs> really? <laughs> no. You don't see yourself writing about that. Not really. I know some people are very like self-insert kind of. I don't think I am. <laughs> okay. But that's just because, I don't know. I, I, I like an art, the way I see it, art is always going to be a reflection of the creator. The There's book. no way around it. But I don't want to like consciously do that. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to like consciously sit there and be like, this character is me. And then mm-hmm. this is how I would react. I, I think I would get too in my own head about that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Well, people are going to, in many cases, say it's you anyway. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> or yeah. they'll say, was that me? <laughs> Don't think you're writing about them. <laughs> uh, Maybe. I've had that experience with, uh, you know, I have to tell people this is not me at all. In fact, I really don't think in any of my books or short stories that I've written consciously about anybody that was me. But I'm sure some people would think that. I don't know. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, Mr. Reese did tell me that one time because uh, early on, I remember maybe like freshman year when I took his screenwriting course, uh, we got into the whole like ethics of movies and how art kind of reflects society, but also it influences society. So the media that is being consumed is going to reflect the way, impact the way people perceive certain things. So essentially, does that mean that script writers are responsible for like influencing society in a positive way? And he, uh, his response just really resonated with me because he was like, no, you shouldn't consciously like sit there and try to make your story mean something. The more you get into your idea that like, you have to make this teach some kind of lesson. The more you lose sight of the actual story itself, he was like, just make sure it's a good story and it resonates well. Mm-hmm. And the theme will emerge organically. There's no way to separate your work from your own ideals. Right. Like, yeah, that's true. <laughs> and I, I still think about that. I'm like, yeah, that's yeah. good advice. Um, people are pretty good at detecting a sermon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or a, a, um, a message heavy film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's right. <laughs> right. It has its yeah. limitations. Um, Agreed. I think that's the other reason I haven't gone to the Barbie movie is I per- perceive that it's kind of a message heavy movie. And yeah, I can see that. Um, yeah. Would you say that it is? Yeah. It's funny. It's funny. It is. Yeah. I think it's a little more tactful than others. Okay. <laughs> a little more nuanced. Yeah. yeah. It balances it because, yeah, yeah, you're right. It does have a very clear message, but at the same time, it's not like, well, I guess it really depends on the viewer. <laughs> Some people might see it as too much. Yeah. Okay. Well, this is, a, this is a podcast about creativity. So do you have anything to say about creativity? Uh, yeah, I was going to say, I guess when people think of creative people, they sort of sometimes they have a stereotype in their head. When they think of a creative person, so they might think of like an author 
or a theater person. And then, and in, in reality, we come in all kinds of different shapes and forms, right? There's so much that you can do to be creative. And so trying to limit it to one thing, it's really impossible. So I, I, like whenever you told me your idea for this podcast, I was like, yeah, this is great. Like I want to get involved because I want to meet all these other people that do all these kinds of other things that I wouldn't be able to do. Mm-hmm. But I want to hear their take on it. And I, I feel like I'm that kind of person where I express my creativity in all kinds of different ways. So like I draw and I write and I work on audio and video and kinds of you know and I think a lot of creative people are like that as well so uh, yeah I'm really looking forward to see what other kind of guests we have so yeah that's I am trying to get people who are not just in the arts um that's harder to do because a lot of them don't see that they're creative they don't recognize it yeah recognize it where a person in the arts is more conscious of it you know for example professors they i've interviewed some professors and they they don't think of creativity as part of what they do but i think you have to be really creative yeah (laughs) Um, yeah you do so i i think it's a it's it's kind of unfortunate that creativity has been relegated to arts artsy kind of things as opposed to your whole life you know i i know women who are just creative in their home right Um, yeah they do some things that i would never think to do just wow so yeah and even personality wise because have you ever heard of like the myers-briggs or the mbti Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah okay yeah so i got into it because of writing Actually, this might sound weird, but I got into it sort of like a, a cheat sheet <laughs> for characters. So uh, the thing I used to do is like if I had a character and I wanted to flesh them out, I would take the test sort of in the mindset of them. Oh, I, and then yeah. once I yeah, it's kind of like a a quick way to yeah figure out more details about them. But I have kind of noticed that people that are more in the sort of feeler dimension recognize their creativity and a lot of people that are more technical they're like well i'm, I'm not creative i'm i'm goal oriented i don't i don't see that because i am more technical <laughs> i think i'm like an iscp or something and people probably wouldn't think of us as creative but yeah <laughs> you can be creative in all kinds of different ways yeah that's an example because i think most from a myers-briggs the i tends to be the creative people and I'm an E, and so that doesn't really, it doesn't stereotypically yeah. fit into the the creative. You know, we're too busy talking and running things. and Yeah, but you collaborate, right? A lot of yeah. art is collaborative. Mm-hmm. So Yes, especially film. That's what uh, amazes me is how many people yes. have to be involved to work on a film, even a short, Absolutely. short film. You can't. Well, I guess you could do it all by yourself, but I would think it'd be pretty one dimensional. <laughs> yeah, it'd take forever. Probably. Yes, it <laughs> You've got to at least have some actors in there, I would say. And somebody holding the camera while you tell other people what to do. So, yeah. Okay. Well, I really appreciate you talking to me today. I want to thank you. And I mostly want to thank you for making this podcast happen. And I have enjoyed doing this podcast so much. 
And one of the reasons was that I knew that I could hand it over to you and you would make sound good. And it wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't have to worry about all the time. So I mess up or scream or sneeze rather. <laughs> I have to go chase my dogs down because they're barking at the neighbors or doing something else. Yeah. <laughs> and I can just say, oh, well, Clemencia will take care of that. <laughs> so, but I appreciate that you, you have the skill as well as the, uh, you hear things and you see things and you have the talent, the creativity, but you also have the skills. So. Well, thank you. Well, yeah, like I always said, it's collaborative. Uh, I also am grateful that I have you because I mean, going out and getting people is something I would be intimidated to do. <laughs> you know, you just know so many creative people. Right. And well, I, I meet them. I just run up, you know, at writers things or whatever, like the lady, Amanda Haley, who was a, archaeologist she was sitting next to me at a table and i said okay <laughs> you're gonna be on my podcast you know i mean how many archaeologists do you meet not yeah <laughs> so and the last lady kate rudder she was an anthropologist and well that's really cool how many of those do you meet <laughs> so um i just am fortunate to meet people and and i just i think i'll ask them you know yeah <laughs> Because they keep having interesting people, because there are a lot of interesting people. All right. Well, thanks again. Have a great day. Thank you for having okay. me. You too. Bye. Bye. <laughs>